0: And a very warm welcome to all of you to the f- our first edition of the Young Masters from Chavani International College, the International Catholic Boarding School for the gentlemen of tomorrow. We hope they're gentlemen today too. And um, bringing them up in the ways of Catholic gentlemen and, uh, and officers and gentlemen and knights in shining armor and so on, we have uh, a fairly evenly matched team this evening of three English masters, uh, my, your humble servant, uh, Ferdinand McDermott, and uh, Keir Martland and Philip Marshall. We also have the two Antoines, Antoine Vertier and Antoine Bureau, and Charles Eric Laurent. And they're going to be sharing their wit and wisdom with us this evening on the subject of the French Revolution. So I'm here as, a, as, as the moderator, which means I suppose if I have to be neutral, then the French have a slight advantage of three to two. So the French Revolution, what was the point of it and did it succeed? That's the question that we're going to be thinking about this evening. So perhaps we can start with Keir. Kier Martland, your um, Selwyn College Cambridge historian.
1: What was it all about? When
0: did it happen? What was it all about for the layman who, who doesn't know anything about the French Revolution?
2: By the late 18th century, much of Europe had been reformed, much of Europe had adopted a slightly different political system, whereas in the late 18th century, France still had the ancient regime. And that was a regime of Mm -hmm. three estates with a monarchy at the top with clergy, nobility, and everybody else at the bottom and crucially the third estate paying taxes and generally supporting in every way the first two estates. And like many other revolutions, but I'll I'll come to the theme of the French Revolution being similar to other revolutions later, the straw that broke the camel's back was when the estates general met for the first time in almost 200 years this then exposed the absurdities in the existing system and ultimately a king lost his head moderate radicals took over and then more extreme radicals took over and then eventually you got a more conservative dictator in the form of napoleon
0: interesting the the mechanism you described there because it puts me in mind of Charles the First and the ship money. Indeed. That that um what was happening there, if I if I if I'm right, you correct me if I'm wrong, mm. is that 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 Louis the Fourteenth was running out of money for his uh, Louis the Sixteenth. Sorry, mm. ooh, ooh. Uh-huh. I'm not the historian; I'm the headmaster. Well. <laughs> 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 Louis the Sixteenth. There's the Vs and the ones and the X's. You know, sometimes get one gets confused. But he he'd he run out of money, hadn't he? Just like yes. Charles the First had run out of money, so he needed his Parliament. To, to give him money.
2: Yes, and likewise, in the case of the French Revolution, there were financial problems, which a new financial minister, Necker, came in to attempt to solve.
0: How, how, is, it, how, is, it, how is that possible? It seems to me there must be a big difference between England and France, because um, he hadn't called his parliament you know, the three, three estates for two centuries. Mm. In England, that, that, that could never have happened. A period of two centuries without mm. without the parliament.
2: I mean, how yes. can that be
0: explained? Is there, is, there, is there a big difference between the two systems?
2: That's an interesting question. I, I'm not sure I have a good answer. But apart from apart from saying that the French system was still much more feudal, mm. um,
1: but I think someone else might like to. Jump yes, the, on the that. parliaments was, were local than French. There were provinces, and that's a very important part when we're going to speak of, of why the revolution happened and what it did to France, and most of all the bad things it did to France, in my opinion, is that France was a very much federal, how we call it today, a feudal country, where each province had its Parliament, whereas mm-hmm. the Parliament of England had been nationalized since the end mm-hmm. of the Middle Ages.
0: So, I, I mean, I was recently in Rennes, uh, and I, I, I saw the restored Parliament de, de Bretagne in, 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 in Rennes, mm-hmm. very impressive building. And um, so what you're saying is that France, um, perhaps in the late Middle Ages, going into the 17th century, was, was very much a federation of independent, uh, semi-independent areas that had their own parliaments.
1: Well, it depends how you see, because the French mon- mon- um, royal power built, built itself by fending off the great feudals, all the history of France before the revolution can Be described as a fight between France, between the king of France and the elite, the, the feudal and then aristocratic elite. Uh, so, in a sense, you're right, but the arguments were what were left of a much more powerful feudal um, aristocracy that had already been uh, reduced to naught by Louis XIV.
0: So, we're here talking about left Horn and the kind of exactly. centralization yes. under Colbert and so exactly. on that happened.
1: But these were the last remnants of. of of, mm. uh, of uh, feuds that had always have already been going on with William of Normandy versus Philip the uh, First, Eleanor mm. of Aquitaine uh, and um, and Henry II, Second, uh, and um, Richard the Lionheart versus uh, Philip Augustus, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> and there were many more instances of great feudals rebelling against the King of France, the, the, the Count of Flanders, for instance, and the parliaments were what what were left, but france because and i i I wish not to offend anyone by saying it because it was in the middle ages economically geographically much more vast than england was by nature a a feudal country where each region had its capital its customs do
0: do you mean federal rather than a feudal because for 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 us that you know we, we you know we we in England, we have an understanding of France as being feudal in the sense that everyone had their place and there was no way of changing your place. Whereas England's feudal system, so we're taught what we're led to understand was was a bit more flexible and in some
1: parts of the country, for example, didn't
0: exist, people were yeomen; they were free.
1: Yes, um, you're right. And, and that is also true. France had much, a much more oppressive system mm-hmm. uh, until very, very late. But at the same time, Napoleon himself said that uh, that England was the country invented liberty. But at the same time, when I'm talking about feudalism, I'm talking about geographical feudalism, about regions, counties. So uh, we can say we
0: we we could use the word federalism.
1: Yes, we could. But um, federalism is a modern invention. It was mm. it was it was. It, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the word federal was starting to be used mm. in the republics. Mm in mm. the holy roman empire yeah. and more widely in the in the 19th centuries yeah. so mm. so it doesn't really apply it's the prefiguration of federalism but it's not perfect. and and if if i may jump on that do you mind if i do sure, sure. so um, it's important why because in my opinion you cannot separate the french revolution from the french national destiny it it, it could have happened in another way but it would have happened anyway The the so in the, in the 18th century, as Mr. Markman said it, you had a situation of rampant injustice, where people mm. were heavily taxed for a decadent elite who, because mm. they had been um, stripped of their traditional role by Louis XIV, which was a, a, a role of a military class, a class that defended, it was a class that, that held the castles, <coughs> um, had become useless. It was a class of courtesans. People who were But isn't
0: that partly to do with Louis Fourteenth, who centralizes aristocracy in order to neutralize its influence? And, and
1: that's what I'm saying. Louis Fourteenth and his centralizing work prefigurated the revolution. Mm. And the revolution is the consequence of everything that happened before. It was just that people with a different ideology continued the work of Louis XIV. The work of fighting all the other European monarchies, of extending the French kingdom that eventually became an empire. But but in a way, Napoleon finished the work of Louis XIV. It mm. failed in the end, but he, he, he took it to mm. to the its very imperialist boundary.
0: Thank thank you, Antoine Bertier. I'm wondering if, if Charles Ric Laurent, another old boy of the college, might be able to give us an opinion as to whether what Louis the Fourteenth had done with his ministers in centralizing um, centralizing the country and taking power away from the regions—whether he prepared the ground for the French Revolution, or have you have you got any thoughts on that uh, centralization? No. <laughs> have you have you have you got anything to chip in? I, I know you've got you got a terrible Charles pa- Arrieu has a terrible pain in his knee, he had a sports injury recently, and he's yeah. uh, he's got a big ice pack on it.
3: It is very much preventing me from. Um thinking any, any insights sorry I would going to make the journalist oh, no, <laughs> I'll come back later in this conversation that's my pain um diminishes.
1: thank you the, the oh, for, okay, okay. we 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 have
0: we have a normal very normal french person here um Antoine Bureau who's Ooh. in the Ecole Normale uh, Supérieure of Lyon or at least really he's doing that by distance as he's helping us in the school here in Chivain um you can tell us in french if you like um, have, have you got anything to add to that, or any, any reactions about what, how the ground was prepared in advance for the French Revolution by how, how the kings had acted in the in the century or two before the French Revolution?
4: Okay. Uh, well, I, I, think that it is necessary to pay a little attention to what is the, the teleology, mm-hmm. uh, which consists in uh, considering a historiographical text, at the level of its contemporary books, and therefore mm-hmm. so at the level of its the events sont advenus, euh, qu'on considérerait à lire dans tout ce qui précède des signes annonciateurs de cet événement. Euh, et c'est ce que, enfin c'est ce que dans la méthode, la méthode de l'historien, on a tendance à, à essayer de, 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 de proscrire. Okay, well, I
0: just just help our English listeners there that you're saying we've got to be careful of this teleological um, yeah, approach, where we're sort of thinking straight away, what, you know, what's going to happen at the end? Can, can we anachronistically look back and mm-hmm. say, ah? Oh, what Louis XIV did was inevitably leading to the French Revolution. But I think what Keir was saying um, was that, and and, and also perhaps what what, what Antoine Antoine Dertier was saying, was that something was going to happen. Maybe not the revolution as it happened, but something was going to happen. And can't can't we say that a revolution was going to happen just because a revolution happened in England, revolutions were happening around the world, even if we, if even if we say that the French Revolution was to a certain extent um, a kind of, uh, sometimes it's tr- described as a sort of trigger to the modern world, the modern world had already happened, um, and 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 possibly the modern world had happened because of England, maybe, um, and and because the modern world had happened, uh, old ways of governing had to change. Isn't it valid to say that? something was going to happen in france maybe it happened badly but something was going to happen at some point something big oui euh,
4: je pense qu'on peut, on peut s'agorder sur euh, effectivement le contexte assez explosif en france à cette époque-là il euh, y, y avait déjà eu avant la révolution française un certain nombre de euh, de, de, de révoltes euh, dans, dans les rues de paris une, euh, et euh, effectivement le, 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 le peuple euh, Le, le peuple français subissait une, une pression absolument écrasante, une pression financière écrasante, mmh. et euh, un, oui, un certain nombre de, de faits contingents qui euh, alliaient tous les uns aux autres euh, à un moment donné, ont amené au, effectivement à la guerre française où euh, les, par exemple euh, les, les, les forces armées du pouvoir royal se sont mises du côté des, des populations, ce qui a été par exemple déterminant et euh, mmh. effectivement, c'est so, I, I, yeah.
1: I would, however, um, uh, contradict you on this non-theological uh, argument that you're making, because I think it's a very modern thing. In fact, historians were non-theological
0: until, we're sorry, yeah.
1: until the 19th century, or a bit a bit earlier, in that, that historians would describe a military campaign, a very specific fact, and they would not try to make a global picture. But the, the, the 19th century knew an improvement I, uh, for French history, at least I don't know for English history, that it probably started earlier in England. But in the 19th century, you had historians such as Michelet, such as Thaine, um, uh, afterwards Barville, that tried to give a global picture. And when you look at the global picture, you cannot prevent from seeing a certain path that is, that is trodden. And in a way, it's normal, because men, in essence, are the substance of history. And men are theological creatures. I mean, if you, men are creatures yeah, that- Okay,
0: but don't, don't forget, Antoine uh, Berthier, we've got Antoine Berthier, Antoine Bureau, Antoine Bureau is the one who's speaking in French. Antoine Bureau did concede that something was going to happen, that there were injustices, that there, were, there, there was tension happening. But it, isn't it, maybe we could explore a little bit the contemporary context, uh, you know, day by day and month by month in the lead-up to the French Revolution and how it happened, what 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 were the what were the particular pressures that perhaps made it inevitable? Maybe the rise of the middle class. You know, if we were talking about England and France. In England, the middle class had already expressed itself in a sense in sixteen forty-nine, one hundred fifty years before, with Oliver Cromwell, and we have the you know the kind of non-aristocratic movers and shakers mm-hmm. finding their way of making their voice felt finding a settlement that was in a sense the fact that the commonwealth was so extreme people didn't swallow it they kind of backpedaled to monarchy and then we got stuck with that that settlement earlier now in france had taken an extra century to deal with that problem so even if you're going to say that these things are an inevitability in france there is a context that you can talk about that says Certain things led to certain outcomes, and for example, the popularity of the royalty you know, Louis, Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette they were married for several years, they weren't having any children, there was no heir. Um, ministers were saying to him, Your Majesty, you need to, have a, you need to have a son. Um, in a way, it's a bit like our own royal family in England that, um, the whole business around Princess Diana and so on, you know. Uh, At a very very basic raw human level, if people love the king, there won't be a revolution.
2: I I, I think, if I can interject, one take one of the things that that you said and sort of put it together with something else that you said. I think the question of how revolutions come about is less about the. Revolutionaries expressing themselves and the revolution the the revolutionaries um, expressing themselves in a different way, and the uh, and a rising class of people
3: uh, rising from bottom up towards the top, and more about
2: an old order that is tired and Mm. starting to lack conviction in its own. Right to rule, and starting perhaps to see its own rule as impractical, incompetent,
0: unjust. But isn't there plenty of evidence to suggest that Louis the Sixteenth was was already aware of this and was and was making steps at reform? Uh, you know, in education, Indeed. in politics, but and all it, sorts of areas. Sometimes
2: it's less to do with the person at the very top, and sometimes to do with the people acting on behalf. So sometimes the aristocracy, or sometimes the court, or sometimes even the soldiers of the king. I mean, look at Russia, for example, in 1917. The soldiers at the key moment, uh, when they were told to march against the people, did not march against the people. They joined them. Mm. And they were actually on behalf of a ruling class. So that's that's exactly what I was saying, but it's sort of connected. Well,
0: it's interesting you mention that, isn't it? Yes. Because, you know, you've got You've got England in the seventeenth century. You've got France in the in the eighteenth century, mm. and then Russia seems to be two centuries behind again, almost one mm. hundred. It's one hundred and fifty years more opposed mm. to each revolution. Yeah, and but then one hundred and fifty-eight, you, you get the Russian.
2: Happened, the revolution you haven't mentioned is the is the American revolution, which mm. does not end with with a Stalin or a, Donald,
0: well, a Bonaparte. And, and exactly, and 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 incredibly, people like George Washington were very traditionally minded people who who would probably would have been quite happy to have to, to stuck with the king.
1: But it well, wasn't it wasn't a revolution as such, it was a war of independence. It's quite different. Mm-hmm. It's called the American yes, Revolution. It yes. But it was in Ge- the, in the mind of the American was a sort fact that defending a new country I mean George George
0: the Third could have played it differently, perhaps.
1: Yes.
2: yes. There are there are a number of these common themes that we can identify about revolutions. You know, a lot of grievance <coughs> about taxation. And a ruling class that was starting to get tired. Uh, there are a, a number of the commonalities that we see with the Russian yeah. and the French and the English revolutions that you can see in the American Revolution. But yes, granted, it, it wasn't quite the same kind of same kind of revolution. But they don't end up with a Bonaparte or, or a Stalin or a Cromwell. Mm. Now it's interesting you say that they were old-fashioned. Mm. That it's interesting you say that um, that the American uh, uh, leaders after the revolution were old-fashioned. Well, there's nothing nothing out of the ordinary about the post-radical phase leader, as it were, being more conservative. Stalin was, of course, more conservative than the Bolsheviks. Cromwell was more conservative than what came before, and likewise Napoleon. And they go back to behaving much like the old order, and they start doing things like, like, um, well, of course, uh, Napoleon tries to build up an empire, and Cromwell uh, goes into Ireland and Jamaica. So there's nothing out of the ordinary, I suppose, in in the post-revolutionary leaders being more conservative. I suppose what's different about America is they didn't have a
1: dictator. Mm. Mm. I, I would like to, so I think Mr. Mr. Martin's point was saying, so that although you are, you are right that there were conjunctural factors, such as the, the popularity of the king, Marie Antoinette being too loyal to Austria and not enough French, uh, the, the royal couple not having children, uh, this, uh, I don't know, financial scandals. There are much more, much deeper factors, economic, social, historical, financial, political. That cannot be ignored and that's what we mean when we say that the revolution couldn't be avoided. If, if, if I may, I'd like to put here a little theory of mine that is a populist theory. I consider myself in, in the populist uh, in, in the way that I do not consider history as Marx did as a battle between classes but rather as a battle between the establishment and the people and if we start from Louis Fourteenth, Louis Fourteenth had modernized France from the economic and and industrial, agricultural, um, um, uh, military point of view, and he made war to all of Europe and he exhausted France. So anyway, it was a prefiguration of France. But after that, you had a total change where Louis the under the influence of the Austrian of the French aristocracy, and whereas Louis XIV had been had shown much hatred and 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 want of revenge against the French aristocracy. Louis XV became very much subject to both the French and the Austrian aristocracy, and completely changed the system of alliance of France by allying it with Austria against Prussia and England. So Louis XV, whereas Louis XIV had been fighting the status quo, and France, since uh, Francis I, since the War of Italy, had been against the Habsburg fighting the status quo, trying to find to, to fight itself a place in Europe which wasn't granted. Louis XV changed that because now France was the was the was the the dominant power in Europe and I dare say in the world. It was the, the, the country with the most with the biggest population, with the biggest army, um, not the biggest navy, unfortunately. Mm. But Louis XV changed that lines and it was a disaster. We we lost the, the Seventh Years' War, we lost Canada, and that was also the start of the Enlightenment. France in that period saw so the first, the first of mm. the Enlightenment. Mm. Voltaire, Rousseau started writing in that mm. time. Mm. And if we remind who was Voltaire. Voltaire was a man who served the worst tyrants of that time. Mm. He served Frederick of Prussia, he served Catherine of Russia, and he rejoiced when France lost, the, the, lost Canada. So Voltaire was very much a part of the elite and he, he despised the people in a way. And I think that in the revolution, you have this dynamic of the people of the elite trying to incorporate the, the injustice against which all the rebellion of the people in which the, the people rebelled against injustice. But the it's, well,
0: you might say in, instrumentalize that injustice. Yes, yeah.
1: And for instance, the very the very brother of Louis no, sorry, the very cousin, Philippe Galité, mm. Philippe d'Orléans of, of of Louis the Sixteenth, voted for the death. So that showed that the very big part of the French aristocracy was was in favour of the revolution. And in favor of its ideals, and that. And that but but Philip
0: As he as he Philip wanted a constitutional monarchy, but but also maybe he wanted to 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 be the constitutional monarch. Of course,
3: of course he, of course course he did. So but I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a bit but, but Antoine. Uh, Antoine Bureau. Antoine Bureau. Yeah. I was speaking French? Right? Uh, par
0: rapport à Philippe Égalité, par exemple. Mm-hmm. Et par rapport au.
4: pour premièrement, quand 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 vous parlez, Monsieur Bertier. On a l'impression que l'histoire est une grande marche absolument, absolument euh, oui. inexorable. Par rapport par exemple, à Philippe Égalité, Cécile. Si, si, alors d'abord, euh, bon, s'il a voté euh, contre son frère, c'est euh, notamment pour euh, pour sauver sa vie, parce qu'il sentait euh, que la situation était de plus en plus compliquée. Euh, on, c'est, c'est en c'est en 1993, en 1793, qu'il a voté contre son frère. Donc ça faisait 4 ans que euh, la, que la, oui. l'atmosphère le, en, en France était quand même très dangereuse pour un aristocrate. Donc là de ça, Philippe, il y a été aussi, euh, et c- c- ces gens dont, dont tu parles étaient surtout des gens qui étaient gagnés par l'idéologie bourgeoise en émergence, et, le, et, et la bourgeoisie qui appartenait donc aux 97% du peuple du tiers des toits, euh, semblait euh, de plus en plus constituer une classe à part, qui elle aussi voulait sa euh, ça, ça part du pouvoir, sa ça, ça part de, euh, mmh. de, la, de, de la capacité could, 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 he not... Can you just
0: hold your thought there so that we can catch up with the English listeners here? <laughs> that you're saying uh, two things. First of all, you were saying that um, Philippe Egalite, we need to understand a little bit why he might have voted for the death of his brother in it, 1793. Uh, four years after the storming of the Bastille, um, the king has been in prison for a year. And uh, oh, no, the king, the king king, has been in prison for. Été à Varennes. Yeah, yeah. So the king and. and there's a lot of tension and um, the aristocracy is in danger. So Someone like Philippe Galaté may have felt forced, you know, may have felt he had a gun to his head. Uh, and the second thing he was saying was that this is an, this is an almost mid, m- middle class that doesn't have a role in the three estates, that doesn't have a role in the government of France and just wants its voice heard. Um I don't know whether, I mean, some, some some thinkers think that the French Revolution is really just the the project le... of the middle class.
4: C'est, c'est yeah, pas, uh,
0: voilà. yeah. So, so the bourgeoisie, you're saying, is, is accelerating the... The, the, the progress of the French Revolution is very, very. It, it's interesting because, of course, you know, 150 years later, we're looking at the, the Russian Revolution. Mm-hmm. The bourgeoisie are the big bad guys, <laughs> and the bourgeoisie, uh, and you know, the cultural Marxists of the 20th century, you know, they want to get rid of bourgeois culture. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what I was going to say was, we picked up your criticism of uh, Antoine Bureau of Antoine Bertier's um, kind of uh, the destiny of France, this inexorable march almost on tram lines um, of of French history. But I I wonder whether we could all concede or or agree that even if the French Revolution was going to happen, whether it might've happened differently. And it might've been an American Revolution or or perhaps the Glorious Revolution in England that ended up with a constitutional settlement that kind of uh, had a monarch as very much part of that settlement. And could that have happened if there were a different set of circumstances? I mean I I remember reading recently an article, um, for example, I presume this is adult listening here, we're we're not, this is not for, this is not for the pupils in the the college, Um, that that Louis the 16th was under so much pressure from his ministers um, over the fact that he, that that Louis the 17th hadn't been born, um, that um, he confided what the problem was and he had a marital problem that was only resolved by the advice of Marie Antoinette's brother I think um who 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 advised circumcision and and sure enough nine months later a baby was born (laughs) and um what if that had happened a few years before um these it's a little bit like in England for example we talk about Um, Anne Boleyn got pregnant, and so Henry VIII was forced to marry her in secret as an insurance policy in case he didn't get his annulment from Rome with the marriage of Catherine of Aragon. And when when the no came through from Rome, he was able to just say, "Okay, well, I've got my own church and I'm married and that's that, you know. But probably if the Pope had given him his annulment from Catherine of Aragon, then he would have gone through another marriage with Anne Boleyn and, and um, England would have remained Catholic. So isn't there a sense that the, there, the, there's a whole chain of what-ifs? There was a bad harvest apparently, wasn't there, in 1789 or yes. something, there was a shortage of food. What if the sun had shined more in 1789 or 1788?
1: Of course, but yes, but, but I think Mr Martin is convening with me to say that there was an ideological process that was called the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment was I I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm an opponent to the Enlightenment, but I think that the French Enlightenment was a very decadent well,
3: ideological well, 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 So
1: well So if we... it was simultaneous, but did it come yes it did come from England, you're right. But it doesn't mean that it was more decadent in France than in England.
0: Well, it, I, I think you could certainly say that in France it was more decadent because in in England um, it wasn't as godless. Exactly. Um, and you might say that part of that was to do with the fact that England was a Protestant country, and people could. No, we see. We seem to. Sorry, we seem to have cut out for some reason. Um, when, when Mr. Martin was talking, so, Mr. Marshall, sorry. <laughs> so Mr. Marshall, if you yeah, want Mr. to pick up the conversation there?
5: Well, uh, I was saying uh, I'm not really an expert being either French nor historian, but maybe a, somewhere in between the, the two Antoine's is my position as an Englishman knowing some English history, um, some being the opposite word of sentence, that perhaps what occurred was in a way um unavoidable but the manner in which it occurred the bloodiness the swiftness um that that happened could have been could have been avoided as you said um miss Ed master if we had if in in france the king had had a son earlier the sun had shone more because our revolution it wasn't really the revolution of cromwell Happened over a long period of time. We had first, um, if we try and take the estates model to England, we had first the the second estate, which I think isn't that the, the clergy, the second estate? Uh, the clergy
2: of the first estate. Oh, the first estate. Whichever
5: estate there, it doesn't really matter. We had their oppression, uh, we had their taking down a peg or two um, under Henry VIII. We had the dissolution of the monasteries and the Uh, the denial of the rights of the clergy Uh, then so that little bit of pressure was eased in England Um, we had the monarchy uh, having its little hiccup with Cromwell but then it coming back in a slightly different manner which eased the pressure there and slowly uh, bit by bit we were able to get through our revolution our very long revolution in a very much less though still somewhat very much less bloody violent and extreme way uh, than it was, than, than the way it happened in in France, which was swift. And when something happens quickly, you don't think about it. When you don't think about it, and all you think is our oh, state as a nation needs to change, mm-hmm. your only option really, because there are going to be people who say no, is to kill them. There's been a lot of discussion, of, you know, obviously, because it's about the
2: French Revolution, of France and France's destiny. But I think the element of room so far has been uh, the lack of any discussion of the whole idea behind the Thank you. the whole idea, the political ideas yes, really, of yeah. the revolution. Mm-hmm. And because of the specific situation, because of the, the context, that is definitely bound up also with class, um, because of the whole question of the third state. Um, and, for example, uh, the abbé Siez, oh, okay. when he wrote what is the third estate, that was his response to uh, Necker's invitation to people uh, to contribute some kind of, uh, to contribute some ideas, to to, uh, to talk about how to reform the estates general, and that was Siez's simple um, a straightforward uh, suggestion that the third estate should be everything. The third estate is everything, but it's been denied its destiny. It's been denied its right to be the whole uh, political system, and so that's what it should be.
3: Yes, I I would like, as a so my name is Cars, I'm the Frenchman hasn't spoken yet. I'd like to add into that, um, and thank you for bring up um, Mr. CS, who's a respectable person in uh, French history. So it's true that we have to respect the fact that um, our revolution, our French revolution, was bubble, and first and foremost and Neo, an ancient liberal um, revolution, so ultra-liberal really, um, given... So if we're talking about um, this uh, pamphlet that uh, Adesias has written mm-hmm. um, in 1789, I think, when he set the, to the pound uh, he set fire to the pound of the keg, um, writing, what is the first state? And he was writing about um, how much um, this revolution we should do and, and uh, undertake should aim to establish um, the rule of law and, as opposed to the rule of men, and how the market uh, should be a tool uh, for individual emancipation. And, um, and you only have to read the first lines of this pamphlet, uh, which was really the Bible of the um, revolutionaries. To be, convinced, to be convinced of this, okay? He, he's been praising human industry and trade among uh, among the, the works that sustain society, um, which is what the third state, the people of France would accomplish. And he mourns the outrageous privileges held by the other orders, and by that I mean um, just the other um, way that society could be organized, as opposed to by the rule of law and people um, Free people. And so he says, he has these words which I think would be very relevant to our debate. Um, hey, don't we know the effects of monopoly? If it discourages those it pushes aside, don't we know that it renders those it favors less skillful? Don't we know that any work from which free competition is removed will be done more expensively and more badly? So here we can see that the terms are set and it it is
2: in the name of the free competition that the fight against the ancien regime. Um, will That's a really interesting, as far as I'm concerned, rehabilitation of C.S., because on my first reading of him, I thought, this is awful, this is absolutely awful, because it reminded me, although it sort of tells you something about when I first read it, I suppose, mm-hmm. it reminded me of, of some of the more ugly right-wing or left-wing, depending on who you're reading, rhetoric that we were reading um, and, and hearing around 2016, 2017, uh, and of course to this day, um, CS deciding who is and who is part of the French nation. Who is is and who isn't. Who is and who isn't. Uh, The the whole project, the whole, um, not project, sorry, uh, the whole um, idea is to try to redefine the French nation. Mm. and therefore to find where sovereignty lies. And you do it by excluding the people who have hitherto exercised all power. Yes, they've been ruling in a bad way, but you
1: you do it by saying, well, they're not really people. And yet again, the ABCS himself was part of the third order, of of one of these two orders who Mm. we say have been uh, weighing on the on the on the bourgeoisie. So there is another question: Did the bourgeoisie conduct the revolution, or was it the aristocracy, and the clergy to an equal to an equal uh, extent, or to a bigger extent? This is a very interesting question. It's 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 not at all uh, orthodox because it's true that the revolution have, as Mister Marshall told me before the debate, killed entire convents, uh, 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 sunk priests by the by the dozen uh decapitated aristocrats after aristocrats but still you cannot deny that there were a lot of priests and a lot of nobles who who started the revolution it was i I remember that the estate general who voted the abolition of the privilege was in majority composed of clerks and nobles so that's an that's an interesting question because you cannot separate the enlightenment from the nobility and the clergy it happened as, at least as much within the bourgeoisie than in the nobility and
0: the, just, just, and, and, just, the and Just as you can say that the bourgeoisie and the clergy had an important role in the advance of the French Revolution, you can also say, and it's also almost been expunged from the historical record, that large numbers of the Third Estate, large numbers of the working people, the peasants, Supported the indeed, king, indeed, uh, you know, and, and 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 it wasn't just in the Vendée. There were there were uprisings uh, in favor of the king after the. Um, isn't this is this such a case that the, the 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 the
1: Lyon province? Britain. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, but however, what, what Mister Marshall said about bloodiness uh, is very interesting. However, I think we lived in a bloody time already in that time. You see uh um Lucantals sent the, what is called the Dragonate in france that is he sent the cavalry to burn entire protestant villages in france uh, uh, and he had started this idea that national sovereignty is a pretext to all violence he had he had, he had coined the, the 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 sentence we have said the, the sentence one law one king one faith and mm-hmm. the french identity the french citizenship even if it was in the world was being a subject of the of the of the Sun King, being Catholic, and adhering to the to the law of the kingdom, so he had in a sense prefigurated the revolution two centuries before. Mm. That's why I'm saying there is a much more much longer term perspective that we can have on. on the okay, can,
0: can I can I can I throw out another theory and see what the French people think about it? Um, is that there's a delegitimization of the order, the established order, that precedes this re- these revolutions. So, for example, in England, we have the Reformation, and despite the attempts of um, Elizabeth and James to kind of um, shore up their claims to, to sort of sacred authority over the English, they've had their chips. And the, the, the mystique of the royalty, the kind of um, sacred authority of the order, um is is gone it gone forever and and because of that the order has no more legitimacy and and in France in the wake so in the lead up to the revo- revolution an enormous uh, percentage of uh, priests and religious had become freemasons um you know this was the, you were talking about the Siècle de lumiere and so on but that, that really the church the church had kind of Given up its claims to legitimacy, especially the church that was overfed and and a kind of mm. overpaid, indeed, you know, indeed, absolutely, and 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 maybe the same was true in Russia. One hundred and fifty years later, that um, even though the Tsar's family is celebrated as martyrs now by the Orthodox Church, the the the, the, the practice of their religion, um, and 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 the state of religious practice. In terms of the of the constitutional settlement and the, and the and the hierarchical order of society, that religion was no longer the linchpin. And so, so, so in in France, the only the the only parts of France where people defended the old order was where the clergy still had some honor. You know, for example, like in Brittany and in the Vendée in the wake wake of Saint Louis de Montfort and so on, um, the clergy's Still had a place of honor, and so the whole of the rest of the the, the social order also had uh, some yes, sort of rights. Yes, it all followed as well.
1: It all followed. That's why, in a sense, it's, it's it's right to call the clergy the first order, because if we if we compare, that's totally out of the question. But if we compare other Indo european societies that also have the structure of orders with priests, mm. uh, warriors, and uh, tradesmen, the the Brahmins. The priests are also considered at the very top of the of the social ladder. So well, it's the
0: same in England. Yeah. The,
1: the Lord Spiritual
0: in in the House of Commons and the House of Lords, the only people who, by their office, had had a place in the, in the Parliament were the bishops. The aristocracy um, had it by birth, but it could be removed at any time. You know, but if you were the Bishop of York or the Bishop of Canterbury, the Bishop of London. You sat in the House of Lords, whether you were a good person or you're a bad person, whether you were friendly with a king or not. Mm. <coughs> so in, in a sense, we didn't have the same system of those three estates, but the Lord Spiritual had this... I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing that in. Mm-hmm. Mr. Martin mm-hmm. shaking his Very
2: head.
0: No, 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 I'm not. Um, well, yeah, you were. Well, well, maybe I modified <laughs> it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe when I saw Mr. Martin shaking oh, his Martin, head, I kind of, I sort of changed exactly what I was saying to sort of blend into what Mr. Can we? (laughs) Okay, well, could could, could we could we turn the discussion a little bit to maybe the way people felt about the? You had something to say. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll finish. We'll finish. We'll finish. But 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 we'll turn the discussion with a view to ending it. Um, in, in English literature, we've got that famous beginning of the Tale of Two Cities, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. But in fact, there are, there's always more than one way of looking at right. the situation. And, and, and also, this year, it's, um, it's the 250th anniversary of the birth of Wordsworth, who's he, the kind of father of our romantic movement. <coughs> and he, he said famously, bliss was it in that dawn to be alive, but to be young was very heaven. Oh, times in which the meagre stale forbidding ways of custom law and statute took at once the attraction of a country in romance when reason seemed the most to assert her rights. And of course, you know, perhaps ought to add that, that Wordsworth at the time was in love and, and he'd come to France at the time of the revolution to learn French, Um managed to uh, father a child out of wedlock and so on. And so there were, there were lots of um, things that go on in a young man's life that were going on in Wordsworth's life, but there was that kind of heady feeling that um, this, this this was this was amazing. You know, the best of times, the worst of times. In Wordsworth's mind, this was the best of times. This, you know... Where were you when the Berlin Wall came down? It's the same sort of moment. I was in Paris at the time of the revolution. You know, and this was the way Wordsworth felt when he came back at the beginning of the prelude. He's become disillusioned now. He's seen the terror, he's seen the blood, and so on. And um, in the end, what was happening with the English romantics, whether it was Wordsworth or possibly Burns as well, that they, they start off being enthusiastic about the revolution because they think that. You know, I don't know whether it was Mr. Martin or Mr. Berthier that said that the Ancien Regime, there were some things that were just indefensible, but eventually they had to change. But mm. reason rebels against these things. And and the young man, whether it be a Wordsworth or a Burns, um, says, Yeah, reason, you know. And, and there was a phase of the French Revolution, wasn't there, when they had the reason on the altars, yes. and were worshipping the goddess reason. In the end, and this is where Edmund Burke comes in. Edmund Burke, a year after the storming of the Bastille in in 1790, says in his Reflections of the French Revolution, he says um, that you, you can't build a, a policy, you can't build a government and a way of running a state on the abstract. You have to build it on people, on human beings who are all different. And uh, in a way... Um, You you, you 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 can't you can't build a new utopia on Earth, and this was in a way the beginning of conserv- of conservatism in England because Burke he was a Whig he sort of became a kind of a Tory uh, really you know the monarchy and the established church and so on although he was very sympathetic to the Catholics and the Catholics rights um, but Burke is saying real people and real families you can't just you can't have tabula rasa you can't wipe out it's not like a hard disk on a computer you know and uh, certainly on on our side of the channel um, you know burke was already saying in 1790 the army are not going to follow through you're going to have you're going to have blood blood will be spilled here more people will face the guillotine this is going to get out of control and what happened next it did it, exactly what burke predicted happened um And the whole kind of, um, shall we say, intelligentsia of the Romantics in England and so on, started to go off the French Revolution, you know? Um, Funnily enough, with the Russian Revolution, that didn't happen. Um, Because, I mean, our our intelligentsia in Britain and America were enamoured of Lenin and Stalin For a long time, (laughs) nineteen seventeen to about nineteen ninety seven. So, so for 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 about eighty years, um, you you couldn't be anything other than sympathetic to communism in Britain. I mean, I I, I, and I and America. If you if you were if you were an intellectual, you know,
1: yes,
0: um, but um. You know, given given that, okay, I mean, maybe we can think about the French Revolution like kids in school. <laughs> the French Revolution was going to happen. It happened in a bad way. Okay, lots of people got killed. Unfortunately, there were some bad calls there. The church had screwed up big time in France, had lost a lot of its legitimacy. But hey, after the French Revolution, they cleared up their act and they tried, and there was a great revival. Um... Uh, if the French Revolution was trying to do in France what Magna Carta and so on had done in England centuries before, the, 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 the Declaration of Human Rights—it worked, didn't it? I mean, or did it? I mean,
1: post-revolution uh-huh. France, post-revolution France was nowhere, no, not anything like the Ancien Régime, and that nobody can deny that the, the servage had been abolished. And you
0: mentioned Napoleon. Napoleon didn't did, did Napoleon come along and try and heal the breach? I mean, it wasn't what Napoleon tried to do. We didn't in speak in did but he kind of made himself by, a king, by really. By didn't the he. Was talented,
1: but we didn't but, speak um, about, about Napoleon
0: much. I mean, hey, Napo- come on, Napo- Napoleon did kill a lot of people for not no in reason.
1: France.
0: Yeah, sure, not in France, but all over the world. Napoleon, I'm sorry, you've had a series of butchers in France. Louis Fourteenth and Napoleon, both in for their own prestige and the prestige of their country, declared war on the whole world.
1: That's not true. Sure he declared two wars. Napoleon napoleon declared That's, less wars know. than England declared one. And, and, that, and that no, that is fact. That is fact. Oh.
0: What, what, justi- what justifies Napoleon going to Prussia, to Russia, to oh, Spain, declared, Spain they to they Italy? War
1: to him. Prussia. Prussia and Austria declared the war to him, and he went to Russia because they broke the treaty they had signed. And, and previously invaded Sweden for breaking Finland for Sweden breaking the same treaty. So, so, so if you, 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 I, you, I can that you can say Napoleon uh, was not a bellicist. Uh, yes, I can. Oh, well, and I do. Napoleon was not a what? Bellicist. bellicist. Like, bellicist a man it? who wanted war. Bellicist. I do not think he was a man
0: bellicist. who wanted war. I, I
1: think he was. He was a man who was in his element in war, bellicist. but he didn't bellicist. want it.
0: Nobody no, really? knows why. Why, why, why. why did Napoleon come back from Elbe? Why?
1: Because he felt like he was the legitimate emperor of, of France. And no. he, he, he was a maniac. Je en Il est revenu de parce yeah.
4: il avait des visites de la France qui lui ont dit qu'il y avait encore des Bonapartistes en France, notamment dans l'armée, savait que c'était
1: avec pas eu échos d'une armée Bonapartiste, il Why were all, why were all these
4: people for Bonaparte? Because Bonaparte, Bonaparte
1: ended religious persecution in France. Bonaparte ended persecution of the nobles in France. He, uh, he improved the administration and the, and the, and the economy in France. In and the he
0: also improved education, which is something that the church yeah. had, had been very iffy about in, in the lead up to the revolution.
1: So, so I, I agree that Bonaparte may be responsible for many deaths and that he, he, had, he, had, he had megalomaniac visions. So he was a maniac in a way. But he's a bit like <laughs> Julius
0: Caesar, isn't he? We forgive Julius Caesar, even though he was, you know, a genocide, genocide, genocide uh, person. Yeah, but Napoleon <laughs> wasn't a genocide. He didn't, he... Maybe that's didn't, well,
1: Ju- Ju-
0: Julius, next Ju- yeah, next yeah, um, yeah. yeah. 19th
3: century France. And um, we might, we might, um,
1: conclude on this.
0: Yes. Okay, well, let's do that. So, um, just quickly, just going around two words, um, did the French Revolution succeed? That's yes right. or no, Mr. Marshall?
5: No.
0: Charles Laurent. Yes it did. Yes it did succeed in something. Okay, Mr. Bureau. Obviously yes. Okay, Mr. Martland. It
1: depends.
0: Mr. Bureau, Mr. Bureau Bure
1: I think it su- <laughs> <laughs> I think it succeeded in, in giving liberty and ending oppression for the French people, but it, it, it failed to do to do what it should have done. And the main thing it should have done is give greatness to the French people,
0: which which would have meant perhaps keeping a king.
1: Make, yes, make France
0: great. Again. Yeah, make France great again. Great. Should, should, does France need a king? Does France need a king? Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, France yeah. France yeah. France anybody, anybody, yeah. Anybody, 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 from I that. Think <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So, so that was that was the uh, masters, the young masters, the young masters of Chevannes. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and uh, very good evening to anybody who's been listening to into, into us, or good morning, good afternoon, and uh, follow us on Spotify. Anchor or any other um, platform for podcasts, and um, we've got a number of pieces of music sung by the boys of our college, and a number of talks, the occasional speakers who come to the school, and you're, you're very welcome to tune into those. And um, if you want to uh, check out our college, it's an international Catholic boarding school for boys situated in the west of France. We've been going for about twenty years. Um, we've had. Um, uh, practically a vocation every year to the Catholic priesthood from from boys and masters in the school with a number of uh, army officers and doctors and dentists and lawyers and all sorts of different things that have come out of the boys that have come out of the school gone on to to, to interesting adventures after 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 Chavagne. and our website is very easy to remember C-H-A-V-A-G-N-E-S.O-R-G, chavagne.org and uh, you'll find ways to contact us there on the website. We'd we'll be very happy to hear from you. We'll also be very happy after this, this COVID nightmare is, has come to an end, please God. We'd we'll be very happy to welcome you here, uh, visiting us here in the Vendée, which, of course, was that part of France that resisted the French Revolution. And I think Charlerie's going to play us a little song to uh, to it's, end uh, up this episode. This,
3: uh, this got me thinking. Really, um, what shall we do with the drunken teacher?
0: oh <laughs> we, we, well we won't say which one that might be so okay are you ready to E minor and d major is it or what should we do with the french revolution what should we do with the french revolution what should we do with the french revolution Early in the morning, bring back the king and make France great again, bring back the king, and make France great again, bring back the king, and make France great again, early in the morning. Hey and up she rises, hey her up she rises, hey up hey, up up she rises, early in the morning. Hey, I think we'll stop there. Thank you.